Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and business opinion. Today is August 17th, 2015. This is episode 135. I'm Scott Magnus, and I'm here with my big boy, my color commentator, Jake English. Those listening to us, you should be checking us at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com for all our podcasts and blog content. You can also be finding us on Baltimore Sports Report. You can check them out daily for Baltimore Sports Today, their daily podcast with Zach Wilt and Jabby Burns, who should be returning now from San Diego. Welcome back, Jabby, to the land of pleasant living. We missed you. And um, you can turn in all season as we bring you BSR Post Game Live now that games are not going to be ending at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, with that, you should be following us on various third-party applications such as Stitcher, Miro, Double Twist. And the Apple product known as iTunes, as long as MLB Advanced Media does not send them notice to shut down all podcasts that have a name of a Major League Baseball team within them. Um, if you get a chance, please give us a review on those applications, as it surely helps us to distribute our program to random people's ears and inflict the pain and wounds on multiple parties. And really, if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan, you like to inflict pain and misery on other folks. Show us following us on social media at facebook.com slash bvcast. And can be following us on Twitter at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L. Jake, with that, drink of the week. Drink of the week. Scott, you were the linchpin on this. Uh, I'm drinking something I've never had before. It's a Southern Tier 2X IPA. So it's a double IPA. Yeah, I had one. Uh, I had one and I was like, yeah, it's all right. It's only all right. Wow. Your assessment was, you know, it's actually not that bad. I had an, um, I'm midway through another one. I'm more on your side of the fence. You know, it's pretty good. For a double IPA, it seemed like you got a pretty decent fruity note coming off of it, at least in my opinion. Yeah. and From I, the brief, like, one sip I took. But I got to tell you, it's really, you have to get into more than one to enjoy it. Okay. So it's like a session double IPA is what you're saying. That's it. That sounds completely irrational and irregular. So that's um, what I do here. Yeah. With that, I'm going with a Oscar Blues Brewery Piner throwback IPA. I've been in the session IPA biz for uh, this entire summer. I'm continuing with this one. This one is a definitely more of a hop, kick it in your teeth, but uh, easy sipping. And uh, hey, we were camping this weekend. I was able to put a bunch of these down. So that was good. I watched it. It was impressive. But Jake, we're starting to have the temperatures cool down at night, which means that we're entering into a new season, a new season of beer drinking. So we can go to some of the darker beers now. Um, darker beers. Yeah, darker beers. No, see, I'm not man enough for the darker beers. All right, well, we'll I, I go from light to IPA, occasionally red, and after that, I'm a sissy girly pants. All right, well, we'll keep on flooding you with lagers as we speak. That's what I like to hear. All right, with that, let's dance on over to the medical wing. The medical wing this week, it's it's getting crowded. 
Now, there are some folks that have been hurt that really aren't worth talking about right now. Mike Wright is actually on the Major League uh, Disabled list. He's got that uh, 15-day DL on a grade 2 left calf strain, a possible late August return. But once he does, you know he's either going to be inserted into the the staff as that bullpen uh, flexibility kicks in or sent back to AAA. Also, we've got Steve Pierce, who's possibly back by, on September 1st from his uh, grade one left oblique strain. But then we start to get into the serious business. Chaz Rowe, of course, has that right shoulder tendonitis, or as we like to call it, the sucks. Yeah. But I want to hear your opinion, Scotty, on Matt Wieters, who is day-to-day with a right hamstring strain. The team said he might be back tomorrow, tomorrow being Tuesday. Uh, what do you think? Well, I can't imagine that he's going to be behind the plate even if he comes back, so he'll be in a DH role. Um, I don't know. I mean, great, but I honestly don't think the Orioles are getting much from Matt Wieters. I know people are really you know, excited to get Matt Wieters back, and they're like, hey, you know, it's good to have him back, but... Matt Wieters is, yeah. besides against hitting against left-handed pitching, Matt Wieters is a meh to me this season. I have a problem. Okay. I have this problem because I try to unpack this as a fan and as, you know, I won't call me an, an analyst. That's not fair. But as a podcaster who talks about the team and as a fan who watches from the stands, I have two different thoughts. The first is I feel like there's one camp of Oriole fans who's like, ah, Matt Wieters is a bum. We're not getting anything out of him. And the other camp of Orioles fans on the other extreme is saying, Matt Wieters is a great catcher. Gosh, I hope we re-sign him. He, look at the way he handles the staff. He's, he's such a great offensive catcher. Which is it? Is he a total bum when we're getting nothing from him? Or do we not uh, appreciate the, the great things that Matt Wieters just does for this team? He's not a bum, but he's also not you know a top-five catcher like some people think he is. He's a above-average catcher, but you know I've got to come back to the point of, Caleb Joseph, in my opinion, has been absolutely amazing uh, just in terms of offensive production, but also just defensively on the plate. Caleb Joseph continues to make the case of the Orioles not having to re-sign Matt Wieters. Look, his kid is going to eat, and I'm all for that. Yeah. My question to you is, can Caleb Joseph carry the load as a more often than not catcher, or does he need to be in a very even 55-45 platoon? Uh, if only we had a data set from our previous year. Oh, wait, we do. I'm asking because I don't know, Scott. You are the oracle. Tell me. Uh, I think he could do very well. I still think it'd be good to get him to like in a 70-30 ratio. Um, I think Nick Hundley brought a lot to this team last year. Um, I think if the Orioles can go out and get a similar backup catcher that has good pitch framing aspect, I think Caleb Joseph could be dynamite. You are on the money. Nick Hunley is the perfect uh, type of catcher that we need for that role. I also think a guy like what we got out of Greg Zahn at the end of his career is the guy that we need paired with. No, 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 not not the way he dresses. I'm saying the kind of guy he was at the end of his career uh-huh. paired with Caleb Joseph. Why are you mentioning Blue Chase people on my, on my podcast? It's going to get worse. Follow-up question. Is Steve Clevenger that guy? Um... You know, I'd be willing to give him a shot. I, there's no question in my mind. I'd be willing to give him a shot, but my gut says probably not. My gut, as a guy who who lived in Pigtown, who owns a house in Pigtown, whose heart, in many ways, lives in Pigtown, yeah, says probably not. Yeah, but it was nice that he had a three-run homer tonight on Monday night against Sonny Gray. That was nice. It was a nice piece of hitting. Yeah, you know, who, inside turned on it real well. You know who else has clutch hitting home runs? I would love to hear it. Taylor Teagarden. 
Moving on. Once, um, once or twice. Yeah, once or twice. But you know what we should do? We should move on 140 times to this week on the Twitters. I like it. First thing up is from, oh gosh, Jake, again with terrible tweets. This comes from the Royals official Twitter. Uh, you can follow them for whatever reason. It may be at Royals. Royals agreed to terms with left-handed pitcher Wandy Rodriguez and right-handed pitcher Joba Chamberlain on minor league contracts. That's not terrible news. That's great news. Scott, that's great news. If you actually think that Joe Chamberlain is going to pitch any useful innings for the Kansas City Royals in any capacity, then um, I tell you what. I think the Orioles are going to re-sign Chris Davis this offseason. I think they're going to re-sign Matt Waiters this offseason. I think we're going to go out and get Justin Upton as well. No, 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 no. You don't understand. Okay. He's not going to pitch useful innings for the Royals. Oh. Let me set this up for you. He's going to he's gonna pitch useful innings for the Orioles. Stay with me. All right. The Orioles are going to make the playoffs. The Royals are going to make the playoffs. Okay. The Orioles having to go through this roster crunch of terrible, uh-huh. terrible and I mean terrible outfielders, are going to DFA someone, and they're going to bring back Scott who? Uh, They're going to bring back Delman Young. Yes. Delman Young is going to play in a playoff game against who? Jabba Chamberlain. Chamberlain. The the crowd will chant Jabba Chamberlain's names, and Delman Young will then deliver the decisive winning run against the Royals, and they will go on to the World Series, and all of my personal demons will be exorcised, and and my fandom will be complete. And the beer is being taken away from you, <laughs> and I'm curious of whether you've been following on Ariel's Facebook at this point. Let's move to the next tweet, because uh, it lacks of any logic, but it's really hard to argue with it. This comes from Dan Zabrowski. You, you can, took the empty bottle. I did. Well, <laughs> what can I say? Uh, you can follow him at D. Zimbrowski, and uh, he says, and O's, for the love of God, please give Manny Machado a blank contract to fill in like now. Of course, this is after Manny Machado had his walk-off home run on Friday night's game. And as much as it's hard to kind of discount the aspect of saying we should give Manny Machado a blank contract, it's kind of to the point of we should give Manny Machado a blank contract this offseason. Look, do you remember in the w- when the Rays gave uh, um, Evan, Evan Longoria, Longoria a-, a contract yeah. for 10 years, and it kind of seemed... Not ridiculous. It was not a ridiculous It was contract. a very club-friendly deal. But here's the thing. In 10 years, any amount of money you can imagine is going to look team-friendly. Yeah. The way that contracts rise astronomically yeah. because the MLB uh, Players Association is so strong, anything in 10 years from now is going to look great. Just sign him. Sign him for whatever he wants. Name the stadium after him. Change the uniforms to say the, the Baltimore Machados. Just do it. He deserves it. Yeah, he he definitely deserves it. Um, next tweet. I think this is a cool one. Um, this comes from Darren William. Well, Darren Willman. Uh, you can follow him at Darren W. And he actually is the one that re- runs Baseball Savant, which is a online database of all the pitch FX data. Uh, you also have the StatCast data in there. But this one was interesting. Chris Davis's ninth inning home run last night or on Saturday night uh, was the lowest, most outside pitch a lefty has ever homered on in a pitch FX era. I think that's pretty darn cool. It's also just if you ever go back and watch that, it looks like a complete fly ball, and it somehow manages to get out of the stadium. So really impressive, really yeah, impressive. It's funny. You were talking about the fact that we were camping this weekend, and we were. And uh, so we listened to Orioles baseball on the radio on a crackling uh, Ryobi radio that we had infused with uh, aluminum foil, foil to, yeah. to make work. Uh, our good friend Jamie Baker was the, the mastermind behind that. But we got back, and I watched the play – 
uh, you know, on on the the internet on the interwebs, and I couldn't believe yeah. when I saw that that it went out. Well, the call for Fred Menfro, you're just like, ah, oh, it's going to be a typical, you know, fly out right at the warning track. Are you saying that the call from Fred Manfro was somewhat misleading? Uh, of course it was. So uh, the fact that it actually went out uh, was kind of surprising, uh, but just a great at bat by Davis just to show his sheer power. Now, which is better, that one or the one-handed broken bat homer from 2013? I'm actually gonna have to go with that one on Saturday. That's pretty darn impressive. I'm saying if even if you don't agree, I think it's close. I think that one is much more obvious to be the best one because you look at where that pitch was put, and it takes a special kind of player to be certainly hot, you know, hot and also really strong in order to do that. So really impressive. All right, next we've got a tweet from O's Sunglasses Guy, at O's Sunglass Guy. After today, the O's next 25 games are against teams in the playoff hunt. Time to see what they're made of, but don't look past Sonny Gray. It's Monday night. It's uh, 8.49 on the 17th of August. The Orioles are currently ahead 3-2. to two. Are they looking past Sonny Gray? Um, Steve Clevenger certainly isn't, <laughs> but we'll see if the Orioles can nail down this win. But there's a lot of disturbing trends going on with the Orioles over the past few weeks. I think it's time we just go ahead and break out the numbers and try to make a make sense of this mess. You know, 2015 has been a season of up and downs. When we were in the highest of spirits, we referred to the team's downturns in, uh, well, in very frank ways. You know, for example, in our faux State of the Union address, when we pronounced the temperature of our beer being cold, we used the phoenix as a symbol because the Orioles had fallen so many times. In short, you know, the Orioles have sometimes flown high. Other times they've been a fiery pile of ash. And I like the fact that we found something else to say besides dumpster fire. The Orioles languished in April and May, and then again in June. And when the O's took a brief hold of first place, we asked ourselves what the Blue Jays fans are asking themselves now. Will we ever lose again? The answer, of course, was... Absolutely. Yes. Yes, they could. You know, the Orioles have had a rough time in the dog days of summer. You know, as this August time frame turns into the school year... You could say it's the dog days of summer. And so the Orioles have been playing like dog shit. Um, you know, I'm not sure if it's really been that bad, Jake. The Orioles in August so far have gone with an 8-6 and six record. Now, that certainly doesn't pair in light to previous playoff years, August of 2014, 19-9, and, and August 2012, 18-9. 
But August 2013, which I think we can come back and herald to that three-game series where they lost to the Diamondbacks in three walk-off games, they went 12 and <laughs> yeah, they went 12 and 14 in that month. So, are the Orioles playing really that badly? Yeah, they're not playing that badly, not yet at least. Of course, they had two walk-offs against the Mariners, but that's it's another it's time for another day. Um, it just. I don't know. I just don't think it's really that bad. Um, if you look at the All-Star break numbers, Jake, the Orioles were 16-12 and 12 since the All-Star break. That's a 571 winning percentage. And if they played at that clip for the rest of the season, they have 86 wins, which is projected right now to be good enough for that second wild card this year based on how much the AL is terrible in a hot dumpster fire, basically. Um, but the one point I want to bring out, and this is something that people have been harping about, and it comes back to our last tweet, which was the Orioles have been terrible against above 500 teams this year. The Orioles are 16 and 31. So they have a 340 winning percentage. Um, similar teams that are doing so poorly include the Dodgers, who are 14 and 26, the Mets, who are 15 and 27, and the Angels, who are 24 and 33. So it's not like the Orioles are not in good company for people that are actually doing well so far this season. You know, I think it's really interesting that you say that because I don't know about you, but me as an emotional fan that's trying not to live in the moment, I get so high when the Orioles do so well. I mean, look at right now. Right here, the Orioles are playing the Oakland Athletics. They've won at least three of the four games. They're leading in that fourth game. You know, you're riding this swell. They just... They just had an 18 to 2 laugher. Yeah. When you look at this team and you say, look at what they can do. Yep. But it was right on the heels of a no hitter. Yeah. You know, the, the Orioles got no hit while the Blue Jays had been soaring. And so you get a little bit of both where you feel that, you know, there are so many times during the season that you're so low because you feel that the Orioles are terrible. And then you get so high because they have those moments of brilliance that you're not really sure what to make of this team. And and you're not sure what to make of this team on a on a day to day basis, on a weekly basis, and I feel like this is a difficult situation for us as fans, as Orioles fans, and particularly for you and I, Scott, who yeah. are of a certain age, because we have experienced two things: a lifetime of awful, and and a very short period of very very good. And so we know that this doesn't look like 2011 and 1998, and we know it doesn't look like 2012 and 2014. The question is, what do we make of this right now? Do we freak out one side or the other? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not really sure that we as a fan base know what to do with it. Jake, I'm here to solve your problems. You are always here to solve my problems. Jake, I'm here to scream from the top of my roof that we have an outlier on our hands, okay? I love to hear it. Tell me all about it. So, Jake, like I talked to you about, the Orioles against above 500 teams are having a winning percentage of 340 right now, which is a historical low um, I wouldn't call it good. It's it's very badly. Um, I went through baseball reference and I pulled up the last five years of standings. And I wanted to take a look at teams that were projected to be winning teams. So 81 win teams. And I projected taking a look at them and seeing how well those teams that had winning records did against above 500 teams. And Jake, out of all the teams that finished above 500 in that five-year sample set, there were only three teams that had a similar winning percentage. The 2013 Nationals, who had a 369 winning percentage. Oof. The 2009 Cubs, who had a 377 winning percentage. Yikes. And the 2010 Reds, who had a 377 winning Oof. percentage. Um, typically, average-wise, the teams averaged right around 500 against above 500 teams, which I think is interesting. But the deviation of that is only 0.05. So 
The Orioles are on the extreme outlier. And Jake, I'm here to tell you that regression is bound to happen. Regression being moving more towards the middle. So the Orioles have a very good opportunity to win some games. So here's what I'm going to throw at you, Jake. Even if the margin um, moves from 340 to 430, which is still very far away from the the deviation. Sure. um, Over 80 games, it would equate to a winning record of the remaining games of 19 and 14 against above 500 teams. That gives you a winning percentage against above 500 teams down the stretch of 577. Now, if I'm going to go 577 against teams like the Yankees and the Blue Jays and stuff like that, the Orioles are in excellent shape to go into the playoffs. And I also have another thing I want to do. I want to flash back to 2012. I'm not sure my heart can take this, but I'll, I'll hear you out. I know it's dangerous, but Jake, I want to talk about Pythagorean record. Nope, we're done here. <laughs> Close up the podcast. Everybody else, you, you need to listen to something else. So going back to 2012, the Orioles were heralded as never having a good Pythagorean record. People said it's all luck. And to a certain regard, now looking back on it, it kind of was luck, as much as we don't want to admit it. The cur- Orioles currently have a plus 69 run differential, good for six best in Major League Baseball. Their Pythagorean record should be 66 and 50. Um, and alas, it's it's good. It's the third largest differential um, in wins, though, in Major League Baseball, if you compare their Pythagorean record compared to their real record. So, Jake, what I'm trying to say here is, you know, Pythagorean record doesn't tell the whole story, but it tells you that there is a lot of talent on this team. And that talent can get hot really quickly. And when that team gets hot really quickly, it's very difficult to beat them. Similar to the Blue Jays, who are number one in terms of run differential, have gotten really hot over the past 10 or so games. And when they get hot, you can see how good of a team that is. Almost unbeatable team. First of all, yes. how many baseball games did Pythagoras play? Uh, three. For three. three sides. And he did well. <laughs> I feel like he did well. That, that one leg was much longer. No, that's uh, actually not true. He was equilateral. and good night uh is it wrong of me as a fan as a as a simple-minded fan scott is it wrong of me to look at a series a season like the orioles have had and say i haven't seen anything that the orioles have done that lead me to believe that they can win a one game playoff much less a a playoff series I would remind you of the 2012 American League wildcard game where I wouldn't have given the Orioles much hope whatsoever of sending Joe Saunders to the mound to try to win that game. So I'm asking you. Yes. And and again, this is a question. It's not leading. I'm not trying to give you crap, but I'm asking you. Yeah. Are you basically hearkening back to the statistical equivalent of the playoffs are a crapshoot? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because the thing is— The playoffs are an absolute crapshoot. Now, if the Orioles manage to get past that wildcard game, they're in great shape. That one wild card game with their rotation and their roster. But I will come back and point out something else. If you remember that 2012 uh, American League wild card game, you remember when they set up the rosters? They set it up to almost be a bullpen game if Joe Saunders couldn't go deep. Sure. With the amount of talent that is currently within the Orioles bullpen, it would be very interesting to see how well the Orioles could do by throwing a bullpen game. And just saying, we're going to throw Kevin Gossman out there for three innings. And then if Kevin Gosman has any issues, we're bringing the bullpen in and we're turning this into a bullpen game. I think it would be an amazing opportunity for the Orioles. And I think they could go against even a Toronto Blue Jays team with David Rice. Sure. And and the thing is about the wild card is that it's considered a separate series. Yep. 
So the roster can be set for that one game. Correct. Which means you can put one starter and a butt ton of relievers. Correct. I, I hear you loud and clear. You, you say that you can go against David Price and the Blue Jays in a one-game playoff. Yep. Let me ask you. Yeah. How do you feel against the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Angels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in a five-game series? I come back to the whole thing with last year, which was I had no faith in the Orioles whatsoever to beat the Tigers in a five-game series, and lo and behold, they end up sweeping them. So anything can happen in the playoffs. So what you're telling me is this. As the stat guy, Mm -hmm. as the guy who's dedicated to the numbers, speaking to the man who speaks with his heart, you are saying this. Yeah. Never tell me the odds. How are we going to get out of this one? Yeah, never tell us the odds here at Bird's Eye View. With that, we're going to set some odds. Um, we're going to do a segment called Over and Under, and we're going to basically throw out whether we think something is going to be over or under. So, Jake, I'm going to give you the first one. Uh, the Chris Davis breakout uh, that he's had since pretty much Memorial Day has been pretty impressive. And, of course, the contract number has come up. Of course, there was a great article today on Mass and Sports from Andrew Stetka talking about Chris Davis and whether the Orioles can or will resign him to a certain regard. Let me throw this out at you. Davis' contract, is it going to be over or under $22 million per year? I think it's going to be over. I hate to say it, but I would have to agree with you. I think it's going to be somewhere in that over, I'm thinking like $25 million. That's not about right to you? Like Josh Hamilton kind of deal. Yeah, the real question is, it's not for me the year, the uh, the yearly average. Right. You the think question it's the per to year, me the years. is how many years. Yeah. Okay, well, what do you think year-wise? Honestly, I'm not sure that Chris Davis gets more than a four-year deal this offseason. Here's why. First of all, I think you and I can both agree that somebody, whichever of the 30 clubs it's going to be, somebody is going to be crazy enough to pay Chris Davis a crap ton of money, yeah. right? The question is, how long is it going to be? I don't think it's going to be more than four years, and I think that that decision in itself will dictate how many you know how many dollars per year yep. it's going to be. I think it's going to be a, probably a $23, 24000000 million per year for the four. I think he signed somewhere for that. And uh, frankly, I think that he'll make good for probably half of that contract. Yeah, I agree with you about that. All right, next And I, I'm not convinced, by the way, that that's going to be the first half only. I think it could certainly be like it has been now. Great year, awful year, great year, awful year. That team that signs him has just got to hope that it's going to be the the good year when, when they the rest, need it. When they need it. Yeah. All right, next one. What do you got, Jake? All right, my question to you, Scott. You're the numbers guy. Yeah. You, you've got all the numbers right up in your head. You do. I'm going to put this before you. Orioles playoff chances. Ooh. 30% is what Fangraphs has given us. Okay. 30%. Yeah. Over or under? 
Well, the 30% is based off of Fangraph's depth chart. And similar how the baseball prospectus looks at their depth chart and says, here's how we think the Orioles are going to do. So, for example, baseball's prospectus is playoff odds basically have the Red Sox winning more games than the Orioles over the rest of the season. Uh, with that, I'm actually going to say the Orioles' playoff chances are greater than 30%. I'm going to go with season-to-date numbers, and I think the Orioles are going to have about a 50% chance of making the playoffs this season. All right, so when you say playoffs, you're in you're of course including wild card chances plus the chances of the division. Yes, that's correct. All right, gut gut feeling. You got to think it's wild card, right? Absolutely. I think division. It's maybe five percent, five or ten percent. See, now I don't understand this, and I'm saying I'm dumb. I yeah. don't understand this from a math perspective. Right. The Orioles are four games out. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Four games out. Yeah. Two two teams in front of them. Yeah. Two teams being the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Yeah. That's two chances for the Orioles to overcome with a crap ton of games left with both of those opponents. Yeah. How does it not be higher percentage-wise? I think it's just from a talent standpoint, the Blue Jays are so much better. No, I, I hear you. I, I, and I'm not arguing the fact. I I agree. I think it's probably a lesser chance. I just don't understand. Dylan Batonce and Andrew, Andrew Miller also helped me as well. Don't you ever say that name again on this podcast. Okay. Uh, Jake, let me throw this at you since we're talking about relievers. Zach Britton, over or under on him having one and a half more blown saves? That's a difficult question. It is. That's a difficult question. Do you know how many blown saves? If you say equal, I'm going to smack you, though. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to have exactly 1.5, Scott. Right. Next question. Um, Do you know how many blown saves he has to this point? Two? Two. Yeah. In 116 games. Yeah. All right. There are... At least for now, until the new collective bargaining agreement is signed, 162 games. Yeah. Which means that there are 46 games left. You're saying he has two in 116 games. You're asking me 1.5 in the next 46? Yeah. Over. Ooh. I'm going over, and I'm not saying it's because he's not good. I'm not saying because I expect him to fail. Right. I'm saying it because there are some tough stretches of games coming up. Yeah. against prime opponents like the Blue Jays, I, I I think that to a certain degree, Zach Britton has not been fortunate. That's a very un, unfair way of saying it, but he's had a really good streak going on, and I'm just not sure that he's going to have that level of excellence moving on through the home stretch. All right. Well, you're wrong, but moving on. I'm used to being wrong. Yeah. Jake, uh, you want to take the next one? Sure. We've talked about Zach Britton, a, a young, great player. Let's talk about another young, great player. Manny Machado. Yeah. You you talked about in our predictions for this season, Manny Machado being in a select club, which included 200 hits. I did. He's at 136 at this point. Okay. What are the chances that Manny Machado gets to 200? Okay, look, he's really close. Um, I think he'll end up with like 190 hits based off of how he's currently hitting. Ooh. The question is, is he going to go on a bonanza run in September? Jake, I'm going to say yes. Manny Machado's hitting is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Jake, I think Manny Machado is going to have a uh, blockbuster September. And I think he's going to have such a blockbuster September that he challenges Mike Trout for the MVP candidacy. <laughs> I, I, I'm this is a, the Kool-Aid over here. No, no. I'm, I'm a, sipping it out of a big straw. I'm in a difficult position. Yeah. Because my initial response is to mock you heavily. Manny Machado, number three right now in position players for war. My second, uh, 
my second move is to gaze into Manny Machado's salsa and think, how is he not going to be in fuego enough to make this happen? Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. All right, here's another question for you. Sure. Numbers guy. I need it. All right. Chris Davis, currently sitting at 34 home runs as we are here in uh, August 17th. What are the chances he hits 45 for the season? Oof, I'm going to go under. I think Chris Davis is going to cool off really quickly and uh, not hit that number. I think he's going to hit 41-ish, but I don't think 45 is going to happen. I think he'll hit just enough to be more than Nelson Cruz was last year, but 45 is not going to be the case. All right. I hate to disagree with you. Yeah. That's not true. I'd love to disagree with you. I think that Chris Davis is going to go on a tear. I think that he's going to get cold, and then I think he's going to go on another tear. In October. Uh, in October. Yeah. Let's not get that far. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Davis not only is going to hit more than 50, uh, 45 home runs, mm. Chris Davis is going to have more home runs than Nelson Cruz by the end of the summer. So says Jake. I think actually one of our predictions at the beginning of the season was would you take uh, Chris Davis? I think it was, was Chris Davis is going to hit for 230 for his average, but he's going to lead the league in home runs, I think was one of our predictions, which. The 230 number hasn't been right, but he could be doing that. Doesn't look crazy. Yeah. Does not look crazy. Jake, let me ask you a question. September um, is pretty much the worst time of baseball ever for Buck Showalter based off of having to call September call-ups. Jake, the number of position players called up in September, four and a half, over or under? So the line is four and a half. Four and a half. First of all, I, I think that uh, Buck Showalter would disagree with you that it's the worst time. It's the worst it's time. A, it's a different phase of the game. You have, uh, according to Buck Showalter, yes. you have spring training. Yeah. You have the regular season. Yeah. You have uh, September baseball. This god-awful thing known as September baseball. And you have the playoffs, yeah. which are four separate seasons. Yeah. Um, the 4.5 is an interesting number, and let me tell you why. Yeah. Because you've got Clevenger. Yeah. You've got uh, you've got Henry Urudia. Yeah. You've got um, you, the catcher. Junior uh, Lake is another uh, one. Would be another catcher. one. Who's the catcher? Oh, the pride of Pigtown. You've got Steve Clevenger. You just named him. And you've either you've either got Junior Lake, yeah, or you've got Daniel or Daryl Alvarez, yeah. I think Christian point, Walker would be another one. Walker's the the fifth. I think four point five is the perfect number because the question is, does one of those five guys show up or doesn't they? I think it's over. I think for position players, it's over, and the rest of the additions for September are going to be in the bullpen. What do you think? Of those guys that I just named, is there anybody not coming up in September? I think it's over as well, mainly because I think a lot of those players are going to be on this active roster next year, and I think Buck's going to want to get them some seasoning of saying, get used to it, get used to playing, you know, winning baseball and going for a pennant. Um, and I think he's going to try to get as many people in that in that dugout as, as, as possible. So I'm going over as well. Jake, coming back to the free agent topics that we're talking about since we're still, still on players, number of free agents re-signed over and under is one and a half. That's terrible. Yeah. That is a terrible line, and let me tell you why. We have dealt away so many players that could have been free agents. Yeah. Of the ones that are left, yeah. I think the slam dunk, the most likely to return, got to be Darren O'Day. Yep, I would agree okay. with that. He's the guy that makes the most sense. So basically, your question to me is, is there going to be one more free agent that the Orioles are going to sign of Davis, Weeders, Weeders, Chen, Chen, all right, and uh, Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce. I'm going to cop out, yes, and I'm going to say over, yes, because I think that Steve Pierce signs back as a reserve next year to compete with a guy like Christian Walker for first base. Yeah, 
So the, the answer is clearly over. But your real question to me, Scott, is of Weeders and Davis and Chen, do any of those guys sign? You know what my heart says? What's that? My heart says. <laughs> That's fair. Actually, you should know one thing my about this podcast. Done. My heart is okay, not done. Okay, continue. <laughs> Why? But in all seriousness, you should know one thing about this podcast. Mm. We don't ask real questions. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you one more question for this over and under. The September 13th game against the Royals has now been moved from Sunday at 1 o'clock to 8 o'clock. So what's the significance? Jake, this is also the day that the Ravens are going to be having their opener at 4 o'clock at Denver. So there's going to be a lot of people at home watching the game at 4 o'clock. Should we open this question to Mike Preston? Uh, No, we're not. Okay. This is a football town, as everyone knows. Um, Jake, my question to you is, what kind of attendance are you expecting to see at that September 13 game? Jake, I'm giving you an over and under on paid attendance being 35,000. Wow. So you're asking me how many fans will be in attendance? Paid attendance. At that September 13th game? Yes. How did you do it, Scott? How did you promote me to being an NFL intern? <laughs> how did you do it? I want to know. Um, I'm gonna. Are, are you mocking the situation in 2013? No, Scott. I have never mocked. Okay, I have never mocked. I'm gonna say under. Okay. Well, you will see what happens. I think that it's going to be a big sports town thing where people are going to go out into the city of Baltimore, go to a bar. I think a lot of people are going to go over to the game at eight o'clock as well. And it's going to be over if the birds are in it. Oh, that's a good point. It's going to be under if they've given way. I like that. I like that a lot, Jake. Um, with that. I think it's time we go through a few numbers and see who won Fantasy Boss last week. Oh, when it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting, oh baby, you sure do swing. When it comes to kissing, I just gotta keep insisting, oh daddy, you are the king. Baby, you've got me that's right i am the boss this week again scott it's getting crazy yeah the you took the lead to nine to seven uh you know the only good thing about you winning is we get to hear gwen stefani on this this show Jake, uh, what was the stat that we used again last week? Last week it was ISO. and I Which is isolated say, power. I have to say, Scott, you know, this season I feel like we've really raised ourselves. We've really we did stepped up. Much better than picking like stolen bases for an entire week and then having zeros <laughs> both put up by both players. You and I have both stepped up this game in the fact that we are not just picking some of the best in the Orioles. We're pe- picking some of the best in the American League. Last week we picked ISO. I had picked Adam Jones. You had picked Chris Davis. Look, Jones outperformed Davis by just a little bit. They both were in Fuego, though. You you mentioned that we were camping this weekend. We were listening to the game on the radio. I won't say that my, my attention is a little less when they're on the radio, but... Your attention is. is generally always a little less, but it that's not a, not, a, not a matter. I had assumed that with Davis, you had just taken ISO and and run away with it. But look, Chris Davis's ISO was a very... Very respectable 600. Adam Jones just barely squeaked it out with a 640. And that was number one and number two on the team. team. Yeah. But interesting enough, like you pointed out, 
the players that we just mentioned, Adam Jones and Chris Davis, Adam Jones was number one in Major League Baseball this past week in ISO. Chris Davis was number three in Major League Baseball. That's um, that's pretty amazing, all, all things considering for the Orioles. Um, so, Jake, you won last week. Nine to seven to one is the score. What's this week's category? I'm going to go with a stat that I know you love. Okay. And we've gone with a lot of offensive numbers lately because I love the long ball. Yeah. All right. I love the dong. Yeah. Big fan of the dong. And tonight, again, August 17th, it's Monday night. We've been treated to a pig town dong. But I'm going to go pitching. Okay. I'm going to go pitching, and I'm going to go with XFIP. It's a stat mm. that you are a big fan of. I am, I'm trying to come around. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, Scott Magnus, who are you taking for XFIP this week? I can pick anybody? Absolutely. Okay, Zach Britton. Zach Britton is an excellent <laughs> choice. And in fact, if you look at the Which last... Which is why I asked the question, can I take anybody? <laughs> if you look at the last two weeks worth of XFIP, Zach Britton is leading the team with an XFIP, XFIP of point six eight. Now, the thing with that is, if Zach Britton actually gives up a home run, his XFIP blows up. But if he doesn't give up a home run, uh, his XFIP is pretty normal. So, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan with ground ball percentage with Zach Britton, who's been at you know seventy plus this whole season. This week, by the way, ground ball percentage eighty three point three percent ground balls, and yet he still had a blown save. I am gonna I'm gonna select a player. I'm gonna select Michael Givens. Okay, I it's I like that one. I like that pick. I, I just want to bring something up. Yeah. We're talking about XFIP. I want to point the, out, too, that Brian Mattis was best, second best on the team with 1.07 this past week. You, you just stole it out of me. Actually, in the last seven games, yeah. whether or not, not that be the last week or not, Brian Mattis was third on the team in the last seven games yeah. with an XFIP of 220. But you know what he was off the charts in? What? My hatred. Yeah. He also had a great strikeout per nine uh, thing of 15.19. You know what? Can I tell you something? Yeah, Brian Mattis might not be that bad. If you talk about Brian Mattis in glowing terms again, I'm going to freak out. All right. Well, with that, I think it's time we head over to the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, Jake, do you want to take off this week, or do you want me to start? Absolutely. I'm going to do this, and mostly because in the good, and the bad, and the ugly, your rants for the ugly generally exceed the quality of my own, even when I talk about pushing Brian Mattis off on an ice flow. So I'm going to start this week with the good. And for me, uh, it's a, a little bit of a cop-out, because my good this week was the middle of the order. Oh, that is a big cop-out. The order, the middle of the order for the Orioles, and I'm here I'm talking about two, three, four, Para, Jones, and Davis, they were money. Yep. I derided, well, I won't say derided, but I was critical of Gerardo Para being the hottest hitter in the NL, coming over to the Orioles and cooling off. This week, not the case. Para, 10 for 27, two doubles, two home runs, Four RBIs, a 200 weighted runs created plus a 400 WOA. That would be impressive if it weren't for the two guys that were following him. Jones, 10 for 25 with five home runs, one double, 
10 RBIs, a 288-weighted runs created plus, a 588 Woba, and Davis right behind with a uh, 11 for 25, five home runs, nine RBIs, a 319 weighted runs created plus. And I would remind you that 100 is league average in that in that stat, and a 632 Woba. And again, a good Woba is a 323. The middle of the order getting it done this week is really nice to see. Okay. Well, if you're going to go that vague and broad, I'm going to have to go that with my good two. That's what I do. I'm going to go with the bullpen. But Jake, I'm going to go and point out someone specific. I'm going to point out Brian Mattis deserves a special tip of the cap. Why do you hate me, Scott? Jake, in four games this week, he was able to come in, pitch five and a third innings, 15.19 Ks per nine, left on base percentage, 100%, ERA, zero, FIP, negative 0.27. XFIP 1.07. Jake, Brian Mattis's war in this week alone was equal to Zach Britton. Brian Mattis, future closer? I'm not even going to deign that with a response. <laughs> I think you're baiting me at this point, and I'm not even going to give in to that. Listen, listener of Bird's Eye View, both of you, if you need to hear what I think of Brian Mattis, you need to listen to last week's Good and the Bad and the Ugly. And I tweeted it out. I don't even need to say anything negative about Brian Mattis. His pitching speaks for the both of us. Brian Mattis, you were good this week. Shut your, <laughs> shut your mouth. I'm going to move ahead to bad. <laughs> my, you're so angry. <laughs> my bad. For you're this. just like literally shaking over there right now. <laughs> Ooh, my bad this week. I've got to say to mouth that ice shelf. My bad this week is J.J. Hardy, and it pains me because I love J.J. Hardy. Not only do I love J.J. Hardy, I love the J.J. Hardy signing. J.J. Hardy is the best. I think he's the best shortstop in the AL. Uh, Defensively. Uh, J.J. Hardy had a... Francisco Lindor? What? Oh, okay. This week, J.J. Hardy had a negative 98 Weighted runs created plus. Weighted runs created plus is a is a stat that centers around 100. Yeah. Which means if you are 100, you are batting the league average. If you're 105, you're 5% above league average. If you're 95, you're 5% below league average. Scott, what exactly does negative 98 weighted runs created plus mean? Well, think about it. If you're at zero and 100 is your baseline, that means you are 100% less than what people are. So if you're negative 87, that means you're a negative 187% away from let me, the Let me dumb this down. Yeah. He's been w- bad. Woba, which I love. Yeah. Again, 323 is your league average. Yeah. Or, or league average for a good player. Right. He had a .046 Woba. He had one hit. In 19 at-bats. He's still not batting ninth. I don't know how that's possible. Stellar defense aside, he's become the Blade 2.0. J.J. Hardy, offensively, you were bad this week. Yeah. Can't really argue with that whatsoever. Um, But he does, is second currently in the American League as a shortstop in terms of defensive runs saved over the entire season. So... Got to give the least a little tip of the cap on that. And that's coming with being hurt to begin the season, too. So he is definitely one of the premier 
uh, defensive shortstops out there and is the best player to chant his name along with Ryan Wagner. Yep. All right. My bad for the week is going to go to Chris Tillman, who in his start this week pitched to two and a third innings um, and had a 19.29 ERA. He literally let that game walk away from him. Simple as that. Chris Tillman had a really bad outing, and it stressed the bullpen. Not something I like to see, especially putting additional work on Brian Mattis. <laughs> you shut your mouth. <laughs> also, not something you can have in the stretch run if you're trying to make the playoffs. Yep. From right. the guy that started on opening day. You want to go to your ugly? I would love to go to my, uh, my ugly. My ugly this week is historic. Okay. My ugly this week is not something you see every day. My ugly this week is something that I and every other Orioles fan had to live through, and that was the no hitter. The Orioles were no hit this week. How awful is that? It's pretty bad. The Orioles were no hit. And there's no excuse for it. You look at the Orioles' approach at the plate, and you have to wonder as, by the way, I hate to say it, Schmuck said this week, this team was a no-hitter waiting to happen. I can't argue with him. Yeah, the play discipline in that game was pretty poor. Pretty not poor. Just this, not just this game. The Orioles' plate discipline is, is a no-hitter waiting to happen. And as much potential for a breakout 18-2 to two game as they have, they have every single game that same possibility of being no-hit. Because it, it can be feast or famine. But I have to be honest. And and this ugly goes as much on the team as it does to me and every other Orioles fan out there. I'm going to ask you, Scott. Mm-hmm. It got to be late innings, and it was clear the Orioles just didn't have it in them to compete in that particular game. Didn't you kind of want the no-hitter? I mean, if they weren't going to come back and win that game, isn't a no-hitter better than a one-hitter? No. I I have to tell you, when it got to the ninth, and I realized that the Orioles had curled up into the fetal position, had had their nose bloodied and cried home to mama, they might as well have gotten no hit rather than one hit. No. Incorrect. The fact that I felt that way, the fact that the Orioles put me in that position, for no other reason makes them ugly. Orioles offense, you are ugly. No hit. No thank you. All right. The obvious choice for ugly this week. You have a better ugly than a no-hitter? Yes, I do. I'm willing to listen. The obvious ugly for this week has to go to David Lowe, who was finally let go by the Baltimore Orioles. David Lowe posting a 51 rated runs created plus. Jake, over the entire season, he was worth negative .6 war. Jake, I think we saw you know David Lowe had the ability to have some range out there in the outfield, and he made some interesting plays out there. But... That one play with the throw, with the four dribbler to get to home plate, was the death knell for him. David Lowe was absolute garbage, and he was not what Dan Duke had promised us. He was supposed to be this replacement for Nate McLeod lost. Oriole Spastics, I am sorry that Nate McLeod is gone, and then we had to take on David Lowe. I'm sorry, Orioles Nation, that David Lowe had to fill this roster I had kind of hopes for him. I thought that maybe he could turn into a starter or even maybe a fourth outfielder. But David Lowe was nothing more than a wasted roster spot for two years. I feel like you're baiting me. David Lowe, you are ugly. Goodbye. And let me never hear of your name ever again. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I promise you're going to love David Lowe, except for when he plays.
All right. Do you want to go ahead and blow the save this week? I want to blow the save, and I'm going to blow the save with a little bit of music. Scott, occasionally we try to get serious here in this podcast, and I'm sorry I need to do it. And in the end, the love you make is equal to the love you take, and nothing could be more clear in that vein than a certain individual that goes by the name of Leonard Robinson. We learned today of the death of Leonard Robinson, a 51-year-old man from Owings Mills, who spent his days dressing up in ridiculous fashion as Batman and driving a Corvette that was made up to look like the Batmobile so that he could spend his time entertaining sick children at hospitals, children whose condition was so bad that they needed a hero. And that hero was Batman, as played by Leonard Robinson. Today we found out that Leonard Robinson was hit by a car and killed while he was stopped outside of his Batmobile Corvette on the side of Route 70 in Maryland. This world is what you make of it. Scott, Bird's Eye View listeners, all of us. And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. What are we doing with our lives? What good do we bring to the people around us? The only reason that we know the name of Leonard Robinson is because he spent his time doing for others. Doing for whom? The people that needed it the most. I'm sad today because a person who who died, a byline in a, in a news story, was someone who touched my life because he spent time with kids who needed him the most. And if you're affected by this as well, ask yourself... Is the love you take equal to the love you make? What impact are you having on the people around you? And if you feel the loss like I do of Leonard Robinson, spend some time thinking about what you can do to affect the people around you. And so today I blow the save with an homage, a tip of the cap, a loving remembrance of a man who gave of himself all that he had. Leonard Robinson, we will miss you. Birdland, Maryland, the children of the world will miss you. And thank you for what you did. With that, that closes out our show for the week. The Orioles on Monday night have uh, swept the Oakland Athletics for the first time since 1987. And that was actually in Oakland. Orioles are going to go and face the Mets in two games and the Twins. I hate to say it again, but big series for the rest of the season. We're going to stop harping on it. Uh, But uh, the Orioles are starting to pick up steam. Let's see if they can continue it over the long haul. The numbers say they will. Jake, with that, Baltimore and beyond, I have nothing more to add. At this point, I can say only this. Baltimore and beyond, I bid you all a fun. I do, I do. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's... Go O's.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.